This is the Legacy Builder Podcast, show number nine. I tell these kids that work for me all the time, like, this is a trade that you can take anywhere in the world. You can work in Antarctica, you can work in China, you can work in Australia, you can work in Canada. You can work anywhere if you can just be clean, be organized, cook food, be a good like person to show up on time. Like these are trades that trades that work. You're of service to somebody. Go be of service. I like to serve people. You're listening to the Legacy Builder Podcast, seeking out successful people to learn how they got their start, what drives them, and what they want their legacy to be. This show is to document the success of the people around us and have it to learn from for years to come. If you're here to be inspired, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and enjoy the conversation. Welcome into the Legacy Builder Podcast, episode number nine. This is Chris Gibson, along with your co-host, Megan Gibson. And today we get to sit down with an awesome couple that have multiple businesses and a big family and get to really pick their brain and find out what drives them and makes them successful. And there's a lot to learn and unpack. So sit back and enjoy the conversation. Welcome in today to the Legacy Builder Podcast. Our guests today are awesome couple that have started lots of different businesses, and they are actually starting and opening up this week a new business here in Cashin, Flower and Fennel Pizza Kitchen and Eatery. And everybody in Cashin, I think, is chomping at the bit to walk in this place and eat some pizza. So. Uh, our guests today are Kristen and Carlos Martinez, and we are very thankful that you guys will jump on with us today. Thanks for having us. We're glad to be here. Yeah, yes. That's awesome. Awesome. I want to kind of dig into you guys and your story and you know how you got started in the restaurant business. Well, we met in a restaurant, actually. I was the sushi chef, and she was the bartender. And then... Uh... Where was that, and how long ago? Uh, it was in Phoenix, Arizona, oh, 14 years ago. I, I think it's 15, but yeah. <laughs> Close. Long time ago. Long yeah. time ago. Um, and then we just kept working in restaurants. We moved to California and ended up back in the same restaurant, even though we were trying not to work in the same restaurant. And then we ended up in the same restaurant. How funny. Uh, then we ended up training for that restaurant and traveling and then we came back here or we came here. She's from here. I'm not from here. Uh, we came here and just always just stayed in the restaurant industry. I was teaching at the career tech for a little bit and she was bartending and then I was selling food for a little bit and then uh, I got kind of hooked up with the chef stranger and we went into business together and now we've got a couple other restaurants out in the city to kind of go with those. Yeah. Which are fantastic. Those restaurants. And would you mind telling everyone what restaurants those are? Yeah. So we have uh, El Coyote, Bar Chicati, and Osteria. And then we're going to have Osteria in the airport. And then I guess we'll break this too. We are going to open a diner there on Britain road, a couple doors down from El Coyote. Okay. Goodness. You guys, I feel like you guys are never stopping like whenever i see you it's like oh hi carlos hi kristen oh bye carlos bye kristen like just going constantly 
constantly. Um, for people who don't know, you guys have a pretty full house also, not only with children, but with a lot of pets that we just heard about. So give us the rundown of what your household looks like. Um, well, we have six children, five dogs, two cats, and two horses. Okay. So, yeah, we're real full. Very nice. Yeah, Carlos yes. gave us that rundown while ago, but he said we have 87 children. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes, uh, if you know feels my like kiddos, that. it feels like that. <laughs> With their friends and everybody yeah. else, yeah. And they have a range of ages, too. So, youngest to oldest, what are the ages? Um, seven, eight, eight. 10, 13, 18. We also have a 23 year old daughter that's, she's, her baby's due and we're going to have a grandkid coming nice. in April. Oh yeah. my gosh. Hey, I'm, I'm just impressed you wrote those ages off so quickly. <laughs> I only have four kids and I have to think really hard. Yeah, you're like, what year was that? And yeah. then you mapped it up. Yeah, that's funny. So that's awesome. So tell us a little bit, Carlos, about where you grew up and then how you kind of got to that position where you were in a restaurant to meet Kristen. Uh, uh, well, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona. I spent a lot of my life in California, in San Diego, like all of elementary into junior high, and then came back to Arizona in junior high. And I think when I was 14, I got my first kitchen job where I was uh, washing dishes and busting tables at a little sushi bar. Um, and then I just worked in restaurants from then on out. I only was outside of a restaurant for six months or so um, when I got out of college because uh, I got a real degree in something. And then I went to go to work in that field and I didn't like it. So all growing up, were you like, you just had that itch to be in the industry or did you just, was that kind of your first job and you grew to love oh, it? Oh, I love food. I yeah. love to cook. It's like a thing for me. It's overly a thing. It's overly. It was. I really thought I was going to be an architect. I thought I was going to be Frank Lloyd Wright. I thought I was going to design things. I could never get away from this connection with the food. It's funny because last night at the restaurant, I was telling the guys on the line, I was like, anybody can cook, but it's your connection to that food and how that food then makes somebody else feel when they eat it. Like the. Anybody can make something tasty, but can you evict an emotion upon the person that you're you're entertaining, that you're feeding? And I was never able to get away from that little bit of sense of the connection to the food, to the people, to everything. Working a cubicle behind a computer was like, I can't do this. This, yeah. is, not, this is not an available option for me. Um, it's just always been a thing. I don't, I can't actually remember a time when it wasn't a thing. So when did that kind of start? So when you first started in the restaurant industry, you said at like 14, you kind of started working at, yeah, were you just, before did you just apply was at McDonald's or something? Or was it something that you I worked found? at McDonald's. McDonald's was one of my first jobs. Did I you? learned to really just go fast at McDonald's. I've worked at Denny's. I've worked at a fast food teriyaki place. I've worked at sushi bars. I've ran huge, giant $12 million a year restaurants. I've been executive CEO at a resort. Uh, I've always cooked. I, my, I cooked with my grandmother when I was a small kid, tortillas, tamales. Uh, I cooked at home because my mom wasn't a great cook. Uh, and my dad, he just liked to throw everything in a pot and then like serve it. We used to call it slop. And so there was like this point, it was like, if I want to eat well, if I want to like eat stuff that I enjoy, I'm going to have to cook it. And then somewhere along the line, you know, it's going to sound really nerdy, but I used to watch PBS. We didn't have cable, right? Yeah. Like, click, click, click. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I would be watching Yankee Cook and the Frugal Gourmet and, um, 
you know, Emerald, like really early skinny Emerald. Like, yeah, skinny uh, Emerald, nice. And there was just this thing. I don't know. I can't actually explain what it was. It just was there. Yeah. And food was. I tell these kids that work for me all the time. Like, this is a trade that you can take anywhere in the world. You can work in Antarctica. You can work in China. You can work in Australia. You can work in Canada. You can work anywhere if you can just be clean, be organized, cook food, be a good like person to show up on time. Like these are trades that trades that work. You're of service to somebody. Go be of service. Mm-hmm. I like to serve people. Yeah. I love that. That's perfect. And then Kristen, what about you? So you guys met in Phoenix. You grew up in Oklahoma. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that transition or how you grew up and how you guys got together um yeah i grew up in that oklahoma went to high school here and um just after high school i just wanted i just wanted something different i didn't want to be in oklahoma anymore i wanted to just see something else so i decided to move um to arizona and um did you go with anyone or you're just no, by, I went by myself? Um, my dad lives out there. So, and I didn't grow up like really knowing my dad. So then I thought, well, I can also like get to know my dad. So I moved out there and then I've always worked in the restaurant industry as well. Just easy. It's easy money. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So then I was working at a sushi restaurant and then that's how, um, I met Carlos. Okay. And do you share the same passion, love, relationship with food? I mean, not as <laughs> not as intense as him. But I mean, I do love to eat food, and yeah. especially I love to eat his food. So, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, just being. I mean, I don't know. I've just known. I've known. This is all I've ever done is worked in the restaurants as well. Yeah. So I mean, I took a long break to, you know, take care of all the kiddos. So. And then working in the restaurant, you know, you know, as a couple and we've gone and opened other people's restaurants and all that, you know, it's always been like, man, it'd be really cool if we could have our own restaurant one day, you know, one day we've always talked about it that since the day we met. So flower and fennel is, uh, it's a big deal for us. So I love that. I'm very yeah. excited. Cause you know, the other restaurants they're we're part of a restaurant group. We got a lot of investors. This is this is, zero, this is a zero investor restaurant. Uh, this is just basically what we've been putting our money into for the last two years. Of just, I guess, kind of sink or swim here at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I guess we'll swim pretty well because oh, people yeah. are like. Is it every week someone on the couch and talk of town is like, when's the pizza place going to open? Yeah. You know, everyone's just hysterical over it. And it looks, which we didn't say this, we are actually in Flower and Fennel recording this. It looks fantastic. You guys have done an outstanding job. So I think you guys will do Well, great. I think, you know, a lot of restaurants, we were talking a little bit about the kind of pizza that you guys are going to have here. And you'd said it, you know, like one of your buddies was kind of had a failing business and you were like, it's because you're just making the cheapest pizza possible we're actually going to put that heart and soul into what you're doing here and there's going to be different styles and and i think that's going to really relate to a lot of people and people are going to want to come back for the experience that they're going to have here so is that kind of the goal there isn't it yeah that's what we hope for we wanted a place for the community i mean we all have kids in sports right our kids all play on themes together and others other schools other towns come here to play and it's you know, you don't want to be that moniker, like stop sign town doesn't have a road. Like now we got something that we can call our own people. Oh, we're hungry. Where's there to eat? Go down to the pizza place, get a slice of pizza, yeah. get a milkshake, get a cookie. It's like on your way out of town, like something that 
we as the town of Cashin can really wrap ourselves around it as a community, something that we can show off with the new track, with our great football team, our great facility. Like our facilities here are top notch. We have people in all the time. Our town is fantastic. Like yeah. it's just another little piece to make it like, hey, we're Cashin. Yeah, we have a restaurant that is like <laughs> such a foreign concept, but this is so fantastic. Yes. Um, one thing that I do want to delve into is just a wife and a mom you guys have i mean we just talked about it you guys do have a full house how has that been kind of balancing that and then starting a restaurant and also if you guys could go into a little bit of the backstory of your kiddos and that kind of transition well i mean this definitely um is not easy (laughs) it's a lot of you know i would say a lot of work from my older children, you know, from Jackson and Cheyenne. I, we, we could not do it without the two of them. So, um, they are play a huge role in helping us. So it is very challenging because I got to get everybody to practice and, you know, where they need to be and then also be here at the restaurant. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, that's too definitely we're busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a go. We juggle. Lots of juggling. Yeah. I mean, she crushes it though. Like I, (laughs) I don't ever, we don't ever stop. It's possible for me to do what I do without what she does because she handles everything from appointments to practice, to practice, to practice, Mm -hmm. to game, to, oh, they got to eat, you know, homework, all that stuff. And I'm, you know, yeah, I spend a lot of time working, but they're, she kills it. The two older two, I don't, we couldn't even fathom doing this without them helping so much. backstory of the kids um we had jackson we wanted to have another how old were you guys whenever you had jackson like or what year was that you don't have to say how old you were but what year was that um, well he was born in 2009 okay so yeah uh i was a young 29 yeah i think i was 27 <laughs> uh, we always wanted a bigger family and that wasn't uh just wasn't in the cards. Wasn't in the cards for us to happen. We tried for a really long time and it just we tried everything. Wasn't to be. And uh, somebody had suggested fostering um, or trying to adopt through DHS, which was by itself a little challenging. And then uh, a friend of ours actually ran into Tanya Ratcliffe, which got us to Pepper's Ranch, which got us into full-on fostering and adopting, and then led to our family growing to the size that it is now um, through adoption. How crazy, which if people don't know, Pepper's Ranch is just a community, a foster Foster care community community. where Uh that's basically what you do is you live in a home, you open up your home so that you can have as many children, honestly, as DHS would allow into your home. And so, and what years did you guys start doing that? And how did that transition? If you feel comfortable talking about that. Um, well, we started in 2014 because, uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Donovan and uh, Tiana were our very first yeah. uh, placement. So okay. yeah, we, um, I got the call after we did all the training and everything Got the call about those two, um, Donnie was just born. Um, and he had a little baby sister, and they were sitting in a DHS office. Yeah, older sister. Or his older sister, but Tiana was a baby at she the time. Was she was a little baby, too. So, um, yeah, we went, and I just 
was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> jumped in my car, we drove down to, you know, drove down to the office and took them home. So, so Jackson was five when, yeah. when, when that happened, and was he kind of like awesome? Got this, yeah, got two kids, two brothers and sisters. I mean, Jackson's really the reason that this all like continued. So. At some point in time through there, Donnie and Tiana went to a kinship family. Yeah. And we were done. We, we were, we were we devastated, were so yes. we didn't want to do it we again. We didn't want to keep doing it. And Jackson actually had talked us into giving another world because he wanted, he liked having them around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so we did. We opened our, we opened up to do, and we got Kiki. Okay. We got Kaylin. Um, she's 10 days old. Yeah, wow. she was just a newborn too. Um, and then what? A month later, a we month got the later, call. I got a call from Donnie and Tiana's aunt, and she was like, "I can't handle them. Do you want them back?" And I tell this. Donnie asks me to tell this story all the time. I always <laughs> Donnie is awesome because I say I fell to the ground crying. Oh. So Donnie always asks me, "What happened when you got that call?" And I'm always <laughs> like, "I fell to the ground crying, Donovan." Yes, and like, I was like, so absolutely, happy. we will take them back. So then we got them, and then we moved out to Pepper's Ranch, and then um, this is like super random, but Kiki had a fever. And I'm like super, if you know, if you know me, I'm super neurotic about like, I'm hypochondriac, super neurotic. So he had a fever. So I rushed her to the hospital in Guthrie <laughs> and I was trying to check her in and I was, you know, putting my address and the late, the lady at the hospital that was checking me in was like, Oh, you live at Pepper's Ranch. I was trying to get my, I'm trying to get my uh, niece and nephew placed there. And she was just trying to talk to me about like them. And I was like, Oh, like I was freaking out about Kaylin. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not time for this. Yeah. And so after the doctors were like, okay, Kaylin's fine. She just needs some Tylenol. <laughs> then I went back out and I was like, you know, signing the paperwork. I was like, she wanted to talk to me some more, but she was like, I have this little boy. He's one and her 11, they let her, his 11 year old sister, they really needed a, a placement so they could be placed together. And, um, and she seriously had like a Pepper's Ranch like card like right there. So I just was like, I don't know, is this a God deal? Is this yes. And I was like, three one-year-olds. That's what that would be insane to say yes. But the whole <laughs> drive home, I just thought like that was. It was like a, I don't know. It was just like this weird. It's always been a weird sign to me. Uh-huh. And so I said yes. And so then we have and Carlos. Nolan. Had to say yes, right? And I, I always say yes, and then I call him later <laughs> and say, "Hey, I have some more kids." So we end up with all the dogs too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. hey, how do you feel about cocker spaniels? Those are the ones with the floppy ears, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay. And they come home. Hey, there's a cocker spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. So I love that though, just that, I mean, for people who are wanting to get into fostering or adopting, I think it's inspiring to see your family just because like, I'm sure it was not easy the entire time, you know, there have been ups and downs, especially having them removed for a kinship Mm -hmm. placement. But I think for people to hear you guys' story is inspiring. So maybe other people will try to do that. Because the fostering that you get, I mean, is that... I, I don't know much about the fostering and adopting. So when you foster, do you have a chance of them going back to yes. their, their, their yeah, mom and dad? The, that's, that's the ultimate goal. goal. You want the parents to, to, to get their kids back, right? Yeah. Like, 
And we've gone out of our way for, you know, working with the parents, trying to help them and, you know, want mm-hmm. them. You want them you know, yeah, to you get want their kids to back. succeed uh, at getting yeah. their lives together yeah. to get their kids, like. Because, you know, maybe not yeah. the little ones that don't know, but the older ones that we've had, they want to go home. Right. You know, yeah. so uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a hard road, road, but it's rewarding for sure. So I love every single one of my kids oh, yeah. so yeah. much. It just, ugh. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, um, and we can, you can see it. See it. I mean, it yeah. just eludes off of you guys how much you love your kids yes. and every single one of them. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if they were, you know, blood or not, they are blood to you guys. Yes, I mean, they you are. definitely can tell in the, just the love that you guys show to them. It, it, it is glowing and it's awesome thing to see and the thing is it's like you know it's hard uh, it, putting yourself out there to foster knowing that you could lose somebody that, mm-hmm. that did happen to you guys and then was able to get back so have you had some that have come into your home and have gotten to go back home or has it been you kind of everybody no that's come in no one's gone home but we've had some go to other kinship mm-hmm. uh, okay. which yeah, our sweet little Annalise, she did go live with a uh, aunt in Ohio. So, okay. and I still, she still calls me to this day. So I talk to her oh, all good. the time. Yeah, She's okay. the cutest little thing. So, so is there any advice or any tips that you would give to anyone if they're like on the fence about fostering? What would you tell those people? I mean, definitely. Um, I mean, if it's your heart's telling you to do it, you should definitely do it. Um, it's it's hard, but. You know, there's these kids need it. These kids need a home. They need somebody to provide for them and show them and love them. And man, kids are just, they're a blessing and kids are so resilient. And I'd say go for it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these kids just need hope. Mm -hmm. Like they just need somebody to believe in them a little bit. Like their parents, it's a cycle, right? Their parents probably didn't want to be there. And so somewhere along the line, something's got to change. And if you just a little bit of selflessness and opening your home to a kid can make a big change for not only that kid, but that kid's kids and that kid's kids, right? right? There's this, when you look at the numbers of foster kids who don't get adopted or go back home being incarcerated and then that next generation being incarcerated, same stuff, it's, it's actually quite remarkable. And there's really an easy solution out there. If you're on the fence about it, you should do it because you're going to change somebody's life. And you a kid's going to change your life. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like most kids changed our lives. And made it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. That that's uh, kind of gives you the, the chills just talking about it and seeing your guys, how, how much it means to you. It just gives me the chills. And it's like you said, selflessness. And that's exactly what it takes. I mean, to, to be able to do that and put yourself out there. So kudos to you guys and y'all have an awesome family and you know Megan asked how you balance everything you said the two older kids I mean it's team Martinez I mean it's all the way around it takes everybody to make everything work and uh I'm ready for some of my kids to get to that point where they can help yeah (laughs) Maddox helps a little I I better give him some credit but that's cool that they all jump in and are willing to do that so let's go back a little bit about and talk about business the businesses that you guys have started um you talked a little bit about y'all help start some restaurants you guys have partnered with some restaurants talk about when you first started when you decided to first start your first restaurant 
what, how did you decide, let's go into business for myself? How did you have the courage to do that? And what was uh, some lessons you learned along that way? So I'd always wanted to like have a restaurant, right, of my own. And when Stranger and I got together, we opened ITU, which we outside funded, but we did it together. And then... And really fast, like how did you guys outside fund? Like what does that take as maybe a... We took investor, so it's, we go... We are a three-person entity. It's me, Chef Jonathan Stranger, and uh, Stephen Sands, who's a doctor. And so part of Stephen's role in this is helping us fund projects. And basically, we, we have a group of investors who oftentimes are the best. So. Okay. Uh, and was it you three going out and like getting those investors, or was it like you used a venture capitalist group? No, we go out and... Okay. No, no, no. We, we go out and do the deed. Uh, do the deed. Nice. <laughs> and then um, after that, we did Bar Chiquetti, which we were then able to use kind of morph our model a little bit. And so we were still taking outside funding. We partnered a little bit with Fabio Viviani, so we took some funding there. But it's still, there's lots of hands in that pot. Uh -huh. um, we went to do Coyote, and so the pot shrank. So now it's just uh, Jonathan, me, Stephen, uh, and then the Moore family. Um, Bob Moore. Bob oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, Bob is not. So it's Mark and Luke. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of our core group now. We have another company, which is a apparel company, which we started. And at that point in time, once I, we fired off the apparel company, it was kind of the point in time where I knew that we could fire off and do a restaurant on our own. It was just about funding that, right? It all comes down to funding, right? right. Most of the time. Yeah. If you had unlimited funding, you could open unlimited yeah. things. Build um, whatever you wanted. You could build whatever you want, right? Um, and so as we kept kind of growing our book of businesses, um, it was just apparent that we wanted to do this without outside funding. So we did take a small loan from uh, BOD, uh, I like to call that Bank of Dad. Oh, very <laughs> nice, okay. Uh, <laughs> thought I would have gotten a better interest rate for Bank of Dad, but um, <laughs> free pizza it might have been better to go to the actual bank interest rate wise, <laughs> but uh, like if that has good terms and uh, negotiating. Yeah. Um, and so my dad and I are very close. We're all three of us are really close. Uh, and it had always been like something, even when we were in California, I was chef partner at uh, Paul Martin's. We worked for Paul Fleming of like PF Chang's. And, oh, yeah. Um, and got a lot of mentorship from Paul and Brian at that who's Paul's partner there in that restaurant and just, and I still lean on Brian a lot for mentorship of, you know, running the business. Cause the business of the businesses is what yeah. makes a business successful. Lots of times people go into business, you know, I'm going to make pies. Right. And you're like, cool. Your pie's great. What do you know about business? Yes. Yeah. I make good pie. You're going to fail in a year. Cool. Yeah. Like moving on. Uh, and so the business of the business, was something that I just had to learn before we were able to make this leap into like owning it ourselves. Like we're a three-headed monster at all the other, and we separate off the tasks and we attack it, and we're really efficient. Like somebody runs P and Ls and numbers, and we double 
double check that. And then I run operations for the most part of it and just making sure everyone's doing what they're doing. And Chef handles a lot of the legals and the uh, oversights and just kind of talking, you know, he's kind of the, the talking head of the group because yeah. everybody knows him. Um, and so there it's a little bit easier. Here it's a little, it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had to like really fine tune our business acumen before we were really able to make the big step to, hey, we're going to run this. And the apparel company was a good, a good like little stepping point because, you know, you, we only do so many stuff for Cashin, but we do a lot of stuff statewide. And so the apparel company was actually quite an accomplishment this last year. We did quite a good amount of sales and out of garages, which is kind of a crazy yeah. uh, statement, but. That, that learning of the curve, fine-tuning it, just us, right? And then now we're growing it to this, it's just us, but we know more and, and able to make sure that we're successful on the business side of it. Because we're gonna make good pizza. Like pizza's gonna be right. great, shakes are gonna be great, but you gotta, the business of the business. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of brought all that up because that was one of my questions I was gonna have for you is, you know, you talked about the passion of making food, right? How does that tie into running a business? Because I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's insurance or mortgage, like Megan and I have, or a pizza place. You have to make more money than you spend. And, yeah. And it, yeah. that may sound dumb, but you you get into business and you start doing things and you start realizing, holy cow! Like I'm not making enough money to pay my bills. Now I got to pay, and I'm not paying myself anything yet. Uh, I would like to say that that's something that I'm very acutely aware of all the time like it's something that is my strong suit it's we run really sound businesses like everywhere else and i've always run really sound businesses and profitable businesses so i'm hoping that's yeah. just like <laughs> i'm hoping that's something i'm doing it. and not just sheer dumb luck right like because there's days when you wake up you're like these businesses are really successful is that me am <laughs> i just lucky like no yeah um, well, it sounds like the way you guys were structured and everything else, and like you said, everybody kind of has their lane. I mean, it, it's built to succeed because you you did that. Because if you didn't try to do it all yourself, it wouldn't be successful. I don't think. I mean, no, if somebody can do it all by themselves, more power to them. But you've got to be able to delegate things, and that's what the way it sounds like you learned from the beginning. Right. Nothing will be successful if I'm having to be there all the time doing it. That's not that's not a recipe for success for any of the businesses. And we actually build businesses around that theology. Like train the people to do the job, give the people the skills they need to succeed, come double check and support, because that's what people really want. They want to have a skill, they want to know that they're supported, and when they're in trouble, you'll be there to help. And when they, they're doing good, you're going to tell them they're doing good. And ultimately, you built really great rapport with people and staff, mm -hmm. and like to think that I have a good working relationship with everywhere we go. We see people who are either my student or used to work for me, or we're at Restaurant Depot and everybody's waving, you know, giving hugs. It's just it's a relationship business. We want to we want to empower our employees to be great, so that they feel great, they do great work, and then if they need my help, then there's help. But for me to physically do every single thing would mean that the food would be astronomically priced too. Like, right, yeah, which I love that. And I think that's such a profound thought that not a lot of business owners have because sometimes business owners are like, you know, you're gonna do it my way, you know, like a little bit more harsh in that of being supportive. And so I think also the benefit of having this restaurant here is 
a lot of our young people or the few young people who are going to work here are going to get to experience that maybe for their first time job of having you guys as managers with that philosophy. And that's a big deal for kids whenever they're first getting their taste of business. So very cool. I'll lose it. Like everybody loses right. it. Like yeah. I tend to lose it and not around. She really only gets to see the bad side of me. <laughs> She's your vent. She's the only, she really only, because I have to, I'm always on just, I can't have a moment where I'm blowing up at somebody because that's just so, you lose that person forever. Mm-hmm. Right. You can tell somebody they're great a hundred times, you lose it on them one time, gone. Yeah. You've lost them. Mm-hmm. I love her. She, she doesn't leave me because I lose it. I'm just like everybody, right? Like I, right. You have all that passion. You have all that. You're going to lose it. Like, yeah. I take it really hard when I make the physical mistake. When other people are making mistakes, we just we'll work on it. We'll get better. When I make them, I hold myself to such a high standard. Uh, I have a saying: set the expectation, hold people accountable. Like yeah, all the time, mm-hmm. everyone, everywhere I go, doesn't matter. I don't care. If I'm the customer at Brahms, and you're serving me. There's an expectation. I'm going to hold you to that standard. So when I fail, I do kind of a little internally, but she's my like everything. She keeps me like bring it back together. We're gonna put it, we're gonna work <laughs> this out. Okay. It's gonna be fine. This is not a big deal. I think just like you said, you you have a standard and you want to hold people to that. I think the people that probably work for you understand that Carlos isn't just asking me for this you know you to have this standard that's his standard for himself too and he's going to hold himself accountable so i better do my job right because he is doing it and that's just a leader right there Mm -hmm. and when you do make those mistakes i'm sure you own them and you tell people that was my fault we'll make sure we'll get through it the next time let's learn from this and go forward and i think that that's a leader and that's where people are around you and that's why you're successful you said am i lucky no it's because you have that standard and you are able to hold other people accountable and they they want to follow you and it's not because you're pushing them over that hill we talked to to, uh rick adams about Uh that people are looking at you and seeing and they're willing to follow you over the hill and not just you having to push them and that's that's what makes i think your everything that you're doing is success. So earlier you mentioned a little bit about the partners that you have and just the people that you guys have surrounded yourself with to start these businesses. One of the questions that we like to ask are, are there like, is there one mentor or do you have a few mentors that have helped you along the way or maybe who helped push to get this opened? Well, your dad. Well, yeah, it's my dad. Like. I'm going to start crying. Uh, <laughs> his dad's his number one fan. So. Tell us about your dad. So does he live here in Oklahoma? Uh, no, he lives in Reno. He's okay. actually my stepdad, but I refer to him as my dad because okay. I have a biological father. Yeah. Uh, so just much like my kids, like I don't have a relationship with my biological father. I would say hi to him on Facebook Messenger when he texts me, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, my dad is my dad. Um, he lives in Reno. It's my hero. Uh, hey, I love it, man. Uh, that's, that's great. Yeah, he's just stuck by me. I'm a stupid kid. Like, he's stuck by me thick and thin, uh, helped culture me, develop, you know, my strong points, help me work through the bad things, you know. Tumultuous, you know, you know, you're a kid, you know, so you work through things, and he always there. And, uh, he helped me get to this. He helped me get to this point. I couldn't be here without him. I love that, but that's because so sweet. Anybody, and it's 
because of his patience and how, you know, he's always willing to teach no matter what. He never gets angry. He is, he's just a very kind what you, soul. What does your dad do? Uh, he's got a degree in chemistry, but he is a solar expert and he helps put up large solar installations kind of across the country and around the world to help people get power, oh, uh, especially um, in low income like homing, uh, homes and areas so that they don't have to pay for as much power as they would have to pay from the regular utility. Okay. Very cool. Love that. Um, yeah. So how old were you whenever your stepdad came into the picture? Like three. Okay. No, so, no, I was really young. Like he, so he's he been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's and my even dad. even after his mom and him and, split, he still, I mean, he didn't have to stick around, but he just I, claims Carlos as his own. It's, I love that. It's amazing. He's an amazing person. I mean, even my mom passed a couple of years ago, but my dad and I have always just been closer. We just were always closer. We have so much in common. Like, it's hard to understand that we're not like blood, you know, and that goes cool. back to our kids. Yes, yeah, I was like, about to say it's cool because you have not, the same relationship. I know. I try to tell them that all the time too. I'm like, that guy and I don't. We don't look alike. Yeah. He's my everything. Like, I want to be him. Like, right. Uh, so yeah, he's. I don't get to where I'm at without him. Like, because I was there was a there was definitely a point in time in the road. It was like. This could go real bad because I was hanging with bad people. You know, you're, you could be you put yourself in a bad situation real mm -hmm. quick. Yeah. Uh, and there's kind of a fork in the road, and he helped me get through it. And luckily, I met her at kind of at that same precipice where it was like, and she was like, "I'm like, am I hanging out with you? <laughs> get your shit together." Yeah. <laughs> you're good. You uh, can say yeah. that. No, I was driving a car with a hole in the. Yeah, there you go. He took me on a date, and there was a hole on like where I sat on the passenger side. There was a Stop hole where you see the road, like Flintstoning <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, uh, like, who I was, is this guy? I was just in a really bad spot, uh, uh, and so he just was always bailed me out of jail multiple times. Like just always like coming to my rescue, and I never understood why. Like. I'm kind of an F up right now. Like, why does this guy keep helping me out? I'm like, it's my dad, but you know, I figure like most other parents would be like, like my mom wasn't coming to help me. She's like, stop messing up. Right. Uh, so yeah, but still the person like stress levels out of the max. He's who I'm calling. Yeah. Like he, he's, there's never any judgment. He can bring me down just... off the thing. Cause there's like, like, the stress, the stress can get there, right? Mm -hmm. It can get there in a hurry, and you got to have somebody like, especially uh, in the restaurant industry. I don't think people understand that sometimes. Like, it's very stressful. Yeah, of, uh, trying to get everything out. So, and then my business partner, who's taught me a lot about business, you know, Jonathan. You know, and even today, I called called him. Was like, I'm gonna vent for four minutes, <laughs> and I just unloaded, and I was like, Hey, thank you. I needed that, and I hung up. <laughs> like, <laughs> But you need people, you need all these people around you to help you succeed. You know, like one of our good friends, Luke Pittman, is like the banker that we use. And like, you got to have somebody you can pick up the phone and be like, hey, can I do this? No. Okay, thanks. But, you know, yeah. uh, and then the restaurateurs, you know, Brian and, and Paul and just kind of growing up in their system. And even out here with Hank and from HSRG, like I worked with them for a while and watching how they do things and just always being able to pick people's brains about how, what you do in this situation, those situations, because restaurants are a mixed bag of 
just all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh-huh. And every one of them is probably a little different. Everything's different. Yeah. Everybody's just a little different. The people, you know, we were talking about like training people. There was a time when I would literally stand in the kitchen and just berate people, just boom, undress <laughs> them. But you can't do that anymore. You got to change the times, and it's just a constant. It's a moving target in the restaurants, and so. You got to grow, they got to grow, the restaurant's growing, people are changing, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to write schedule on like a piece of paper, put it on the walk-in, and I was yeah. like, you got to do it on an app, and you got to, like, they've got to, like, accept it, and, you know, every day I get a text saying somebody wants to trade their shift with me, and I'm like, that's a little weird, I'm not going to trade your shift, are you going to work my job for the day? You don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> That's too funny. That makes me feel very old that the, the schedule is on an app. Like I remember in my little waitress book, like writing out my schedule and mm-hmm. having no it. Why. Yeah. No, no I, when I used to work at a place called Tokyo Express and I used a card. Yeah. <laughs> like a town clock. Yeah. 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 Punch the town clock. too funny. Hey, can you tell me a little bit about, say, say somebody's listening to this that's wanting to go out and find that backing to start a, a restaurant. What, what did that process look like? You know, you said you went and got funding and you did the need, but that's getting a business plan prepared and going and presenting. Oh, yeah. How so, does that work? So you got to have your business plan. You got to have your projections. You got to basically get a CPA to sign off on your projections. Uh, you got to put everything together. So this is what it's going to cost for the remodel. This is what it's going to cost for FF&E fixtures and everything, uh, opening inventory, opening costs, all that stuff. And then, so there's two models here that people use, uh, like the provision concepts guys, they use a $10,000, like they just sell a bunch of $10,000 increments until they get to the number. So you might have 200 people in, and those people might be getting $200 a month uh-huh. or a quarter or something. Or you can go out and get larger increments. Uh, we're lucky to know like people that are, it's a relationship thing too. Yeah. Like, let's be honest, you're not going to go walk You're selling yourself hospital. as well. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. go walk. You're, you know, we were at the gym the other day and a guy asked if we want to take investment. And it's just kind of one of those things like, it's hard to go find investment. Investment will find you. Yeah. yeah when you, especially when you start. You got to be established. Yeah. You got to kind of prove yourself unless you know somebody, you know, BOD, bank of parents, you know, yeah. it always works. Uh, it's even hard for the bank. Like, can I go to the bank and get a loan? Yes. I've got a proven track record. Can I, just anybody, maybe, but you're going to be putting stuff up, right? Your house or whatever. Uh, I don't suggest that. Yeah. <laughs> Not uh, but that first yes. time, that first time that you guys started out, and you decided to go out and start that first business. Did you have? You, but you had that business we had, partner. We already had business partners. Had we already yeah. had funding. Okay. Uh, we had Fabio too, which helped make the funding. Like, here's a celebrity chef, and we've moved on from Fabio, and now Jonathan's the celebrity chef. So, like, he'll be on. Food Network, March 14th. Oh, cool. Like, I mean, so, it hasn't been on the grocery game several yeah. times. So he's our celebrity chef. Yeah. Like, everybody in town knows him. Like, mm-hmm. it works out well. It's not hard. You know, it's part of the reason we don't struggle for funding anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say it in, like, that way, but it's like, yeah, we fund ourselves for well, the most part. Y'all have, like you said, proven track record now. I just was learning that first time. Of, yeah, we did a food truck in? one time, and we did a Kickstarter, and we raised 30 seven thousand dollars to start our food truck off of a kickstarter wow yeah. just people believing in you yeah uh-huh. 
and it was it was from customers guests because you know, yeah, I was running the restaurant at the school. It was like literally just it's you know it's funny I still talk to those same guests like you know Phil Brown. Because sometimes and John you know people will come in and they'll have your food, and they're like. This oh, is I amazing, this. you know. Yeah. And so then, when something like that comes up, they want to be a part of it because they're yeah. like, "It is good." Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. So, anytime in the future, is Carlos Martinez going to be on the Food Network? Is that like a goal? Not a goal. Every once in a while, when Jonathan's out there, the shows come up, and he will throw my name out. Like there was right before COVID, there was a chance that I was going to do one, but then COVID happened. And, there was uh. and then what was this snack versus what? Was the one we watched on Netflix? Mm. What is the diners the and Don, diners that or uh, drives and hey, I'm not being good. Yeah, yeah guy here. Here. Let's go. out here. Yeah, we want to be able to get guy out here. This guy and Jonathan are okay. All right, and so. I'm sure they probably listen to our podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's a regular. <laughs> so, well, guys, it's been awesome. The last question that we kind of really like to ask every. Uh, person that we have on is the legacy question. You know, we talk about it all the time of you can have a really good legacy or a bad legacy. Kind of where you said earlier, you were in that position where you could have gone bad or went really good and uh, you, you made the decision to, to get to where you are today. What do you want your legacy to be when this is all said and done? What do you think it will be? Or how do you see yourself and what do you think that legacy looks like when it's all said and done? Oh, come on, you or he talks about this legacy, this legacy thing all the time. Legacy so. is my big word. Yeah, Legacy awesome. is my big word. Uh, it goes back to selflessness. Uh, my dad sacrificed so I could get to here. Now I'm going to make the sacrifice so my kids can have the jumping off point that I think that they deserve so that their kids can have the jumping off point that they deserve. And it's not going to be done through like we didn't win this money, right? We, we went out and we worked hard. We are a blue collar family. And the legacy that I want my kids to really gain is we are blue collar people and blue collar people can work hard and get to the top by outworking everybody because that's how you make it in this world. And the legacy for them is here's your point. Now you go out work from here, go out work the next set. And then when your kids go, they can go out work the next set. And if you just keep this going, our family will always be great. I love that. Dang, mic drop on that one. That was good. Yeah, the selflessness, that's where it started, right? Like you said, your dad being selfless, and that is just ingrained in what you guys are, and that's what you're putting into your kids. And then that blue-collar, hard work ethic, I mean, that combination is just, there's no way to fail. And like you said, it just you keep passing that along, and and they're going to look back on, on your family for generations and go, we have we had the we had the recipe, I mean, and we put it together and it made it successful. So, great legacy right there to leave Carlos and Kristen, and we're glad y'all are here in our community for sure. No, so, we we love it here. We love Cashin. So. Okay. Well, congratulations on the restaurant. We're super excited to come in. I'll probably stop by on the soft opening day just to see <laughs> you guys. But very cool. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank y'all for jumping on with us. Thanks. Thank you. Wow, what a great conversation we just got to have with Carlos and Kristen. And, you know, just with everything that they've got going on, kind of makes you sit back and go, man, what what am I capable of? Uh, if they've got that much, the, that many things going and that many kids and, and all the things that they they do, 
uh, and, and are able to get it all accomplished, you just really look inside and say, hey, I can do more. There's more out there that I can do. Let's get together and, and get get organized and uh, really see what I'm capable of. And so they're very inspiring to get to sit down and talk with. And I'm glad we got to today, Megan. Yeah, Chris, really enjoyed getting to sit down with Carlos and Kristen, not only as fellow business owners, but really just as a fantastic dad and mom and husband and wife. I think that there is a ton that I can learn from the Martinez family, and I hope others can too. I know this is their first restaurant to own on their own, but I really do not think it will be the last. And if you have not tried the cheesy bread, oh my gosh, I almost ate the entire pan to myself. Like it was embarrassing. So get out there, flour and fennel, and I definitely recommend the cheese bread. And that does it for the ninth episode of the Legacy Builder Podcast. Uh, Kristen and Carlos Martinez are very inspiring. Uh, The legacy they're leaving of just blue-collar hard work, sacrifice, and being selfless really uh, is is a great legacy to leave. And it really inspires me and I think other people around our community to be better and to serve and uh, look and just find how can we... How can we help? And and what more can we do? And uh, what a great legacy they're leaving. So with that, thank you for listening. And I will leave you with what I leave you every episode of the Legacy Builder Podcast. And that is, what is your legacy? Because we are all legacy builders. <laughs>